Hello everybody, welcome to episode number 97 of Coffee Time. I'm your host Byron. This is weird, going almost 100. Holy crap, where am I going with this? Who knows? Well, anywho, alongside me, uh, right now on YouTube, live, and available next day on all podcasting apps, Anchor, Spotify, Google, you name it. And now if you have Alexa... You can say Coffee Time with Byron, and I'm on there as well. Just just new. Uh, but I'm glad to have you again. We've had, it's been a long time since the last time you were on my old podcast, former NHL player Jim Thompson. Thank you for joining me again. It's been a long time since we last spoke. It's been a long time, Byron. It's been a long time. It's nice to see you again. Same, same. So what have you been up to since the last time we spoke on the old podcast? Well, uh, I've been in a junior A hockey team, if you remember the Aurora Tigers. So we just started our playoffs this season for the end of the season. Um, we're one, down one game to nothing against Collingwood Blues. we got to win tomorrow night. And I, uh, you know, just been mentoring, helping kids and doing uh, lots of lots of good things behind the scenes, helping people. So very rewarding, Brian, very rewarding. So is that ultimately what you ended up wanting to do after you retired uh, was ended up like coaching kids to be where to help them where they want to be ultimately is in the NHL? Is that what you wanted to do after you wanted to retire? Well, that's a good question. It started that way when I started my hockey school. Um, you know, it was like, okay, the the end the end result is train these kids, get them to the highest level possible, and obviously the ultimate goal would be get to the top of the mountain of the NHL. Yeah. And as the years went on, Brian, I've I realized that there was more value and mental health and all these things that we're dealing with um, today that my value really wasn't the end result of helping a kid you know you know obviously getting to pro hockey is a wonderful thing and a great thing but what we're finding out through the COVID era and and even before that is so many young people are struggling with mental health and anxiety and all these different things I found myself doing much more work on you know the uh, mentoring and the and inspiring if you will. So that's what I've really been busy with. I, I still go on the ice. I still do teaching and all that sort of thing, which I love to do. But, you know, since we last talked, I've really moved over into, you know, helping people with addiction. You know, I'm 15 right. years sober myself. Right. So a lot of different things that way. Yeah. Congratulations. And I like your shirt, by the way. I believe, isn't that a Thank rock you. group? Isn't that a rock group? It's uh, Bob Marley, I believe it is, isn't it? I can't tell. It looks. It looks yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, and congratulations to you for that. Fifteen, like you said, fifteen year. You said like fifteen years sober. Yeah, just so, entered my fifteen year. Yeah, and, so congrats, uh, congrats to that. So obviously, I got to get into that now, then, because you, like you said, you've been fifteen years sober. Sober, which is congratulations to you. So exactly. How how are you helping out the kids? Are you going to like? Are you like talking at schools? What are you doing to help out with this to help get kids over their addiction, like you did, or adults for that so, matter? 
Yeah, a lot of adults. It's not just kids. Uh, I deal with a lot of families, a lot of individuals, driving them to rehab, uh, doing many interventions. But basically, in that that area, Brian, it's word of mouth. Um, you help one person, they refer you to another family, and another family. That's kind of that how that angle works. And then, obviously, like you said, I do a lot of speaking at you know whether it's for schools, uh, rehab centers hockey teams you know i go around the country speaking to different hockey teams i have a powerpoint presentation called career killers Mm -hmm. and what it is it's a whole bunch of powerpoint slides with stories true stories of how not to mess number one your career up number two your life so yeah that's very rewarding so yeah i am very busy on the road and uh helping a lot of different groups and individuals out that way so you were selected one, 185th overall in the 84 draft by the Capitals. Now, that's kind of what it in today's had to be, what, the second or third round? Did you think you were going to go a little bit higher up in the draft, or did you know that's where exactly you were going to be in the draft? Because I know nowadays they tell you where you're going to go. Did they tell you back then where you were going to end up? Yeah, they they had the same kind of system back then, and I was rated higher than what I went. Um, that's just when a lot of the Europeans started, you know, coming in to the NHL. So what happens there is, you know, guys who really weren't on the radar get drafted. Obviously, everybody gets pushed down. So, you know, disappointment, no, hearing my name, getting the call from... Um, Jack Button and the the late Jack Button of the Washington Capitals that they drafted me in the ninth round. I was my you know part of my dream had come true, and uh, you know I still hadn't played. But hearing that I got drafted to the NHL was just an amazing. was something I'll never forget. An amazing, amazing uh, phone call I got. Now, what's that? What I want to ask about one year stops, which was the then Hartford Whalers, which moved to Minnesota, I believe. Do you no, think they moved to Carolina. Carol, okay, I knew it was one of those. I couldn't remember which one. Uh, yeah. Do you think Hartford, where you played for, and it was obviously a good city, a good, good fan base, I'm sure you enjoyed it over there too. Um, do you think they'll ever get a hockey team again? Well, I was there a short time. Um, played with many, many guys who spent a lot of years there. And everybody raved about how great it was to be a Hartford Whaler. Like I said, I played, I got traded at the deadline. Um, I believe I played five games there and then was part of the playoffs. So I really didn't get a chance to, to experience a full season in Hartford. Mm-hmm. But everybody that I, that I know and played with, they loved it. They absolutely loved playing there. So to answer your question, you know, I, I'm not going to say it can't. It, it's not an option, but I think there's probably a lot of options out there. You know, we're talking about Quebec City, you know, Seattle, you know, got a team. But, you know, I, I, I would have to think they'd have to be in the conversation. So you spent the most of your time, I believe, with the Kings, correct? Los Angeles Kings? Yeah, and you played, that's right. And you got to play with, I believe, at the end of his career or close to it, before he moved on to another team. Did you get to play with the great one? I did. I uh, was there just under two years with Wayne. Uh, we went to the Stanley Cup final together with 93 King team, which was, you know, obviously a highlight of my career. 
And yeah, so that was, you know, growing up in Edmonton, him winning Stanley Cups in Edmonton, you know, he became my idol very quickly. And then having the chance to play alongside him was just a dream come true. So uh, I always say this about Wayne. He was a better human being and father than he was a hockey player. He's just a genuine individual that his specialty was treating everybody equal. And that's what I, you know, instill in a lot of these young players. I, I, work with today hey you know you can't go in to a dressing room or a forum and hang out with the cool or the best players right you gotta treat everybody equal and uh, he made a point of you know making the fourth line feel as important as the first line now was he a leader in the locker room as the great one or was that 100 percent he was just you 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 sat and watched and listened and he didn't he wasn't a very vocal you know, uh, love to have fun, love to tell jokes, you know, him and Marty McSorley would always be japping each other in the room. And but Wayne did his speaking on the ice and his preparation, you know, his work ethic and practice and he led by example. And, um, you know, you know, the rest speaks for itself, but when he spoke, you listened and, you know, it was just, uh, you know, he was the great one. Now, Obviously, he's now. You, I'm sure you've seen him because I'm. I know you still follow hockey. He's on TNT now as a broadcaster. Um, is that something that before you got into coaching and helping and helping kids and all that? Did you have any idea of possibly ever going into broadcasting? Did that ever enthusiasm you? Um, I did a little bit. I did, used to do a show with a guy named Michael Landsberg. It was a local show here called Off the Record. So I, I believe I did upwards of 90 episodes with Michael. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, I felt my passion was more on the ice and in the gym and, and working uh, in that field more so than, you know, being an analyst on TV. I mean, I enjoyed every time I was on TV and got to talk about the sport that I love. And But, yeah, I, I never really wanted to make that my career. So take us through that uh, 92, you said 92, 93 year, right? Was the cup, was the cup year? Well, quote, yeah, you went for the cup, but you didn't win it. But it was around that year. Take us through that season, what was that season like to you guys and were you guys projected to go to the Stanley Cup finals? Well, it was uh, it was a year where Wayne hurt his back in the Olympics or the World Cup, I believe, um, on a cross check by Gary Suter and Wayne missed a bunch of time. And so we, I think it was 15 games or so we lost him for. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we we weren't the favorite to go to the final, obviously, um, playing Calgary first round. I would think Calgary was the favorite over us. Uh, they had a really, really strong team there. And we ended up beating them in six games. And then we played Vancouver the second round, which they were definitely the favorite. They, uh, you know, they lost us, but ended up going to the Stanley Cup final the following year, I believe. And we ended up beating them in six games. And then we ended up playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, which were definitely the favorite over us. Mm. And that was, you know, uh, Wayne said this, you know, publicly that game seven was his greatest NHL game ever. And we beat, uh, we beat Toronto in Maple Leaf Gardens to go to the Stanley Cup final and, you know, got beat by a, a team that had outstanding goaltending with Patrick Waugh. And, 
you know, we won the first game and lost the second game in overtime, then the next two in overtime. So it was a very tight series, could have went either way. But uh, it was a great experience, you know, um, being a young kid from a trailer park outside of Edmonton growing up, you know, being in a Stanley Cup final and through a, a playoff run like that was uh, was a memorable time for me that I'll never forget. Now, another another team you were with was the Mighty Ducks. I'm still a Duck fan, but growing up, I saw the movies. Now, yep. obviously, the second one where they wore the, I guess, the older, I guess, older uniforms were in the 90s, I guess, they wore that one. I know that one was after was after your time in, in the NHL, but uh, what do you remember uh, most about, I'm sure you had to see that movie, so what... what oh, yeah, I've seen it a few times, so I yeah, loved it. Yeah, so what... what I mean, obviously, you guys heard about the first one. I mean, I'm sure you guys had to hear of the first one when it was uh, around that time when you were come. I want to say close to retirement because I don't know when the first one was. I think that one was well, in '90 or something. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this one too. Was that... a, the second one was in '96 or '97, I think. Yeah, and I would say this too: seeing the movies, and then when Michael Eisner. You know, remember I was with L.A. and then Michael Eisner was coming around during the playoffs with our owner, Bruce McNall. And we were hearing that Bruce had to give um, Michael permission because of the distance between the two cities. So Bruce got a large sum of money, I believe, from Disney to allow them to come into the league which obviously he did. So when Michael was coming around and then in the press conference, we had not been picked in the expansion draft yet. Right. But in the press conference, you know, there was, there was this big buzz about what's the team going to be called. And I'll never forget watching it when Michael Eisner at the press conference pulled out the jersey from the movie and said, this team will be called the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. So to me, that was unbelievable because I was a big movie. Yeah. Like I See? loved Emilio yep. Estevez like in the yep. movie and, yeah, like it was it was part of who we were. And then um, we had lost, a, as you know, we'd lost the Stanley Cup final. And then that summer, um, Anaheim and Florida came in in the expansion draft. And I was out for a run and came back home to find out that I was selected by Anaheim in the expansion draft. And, you know, was overly excited because a new team, Disney, just I always had to do was move down the freeway. It wasn't far. So going from LA to Anaheim was uh, was a real cool thing because they were so popular when they came in. Um, you know, I believe at that point, Brian, they the the franchise sold more, you know, memorabilia. Oh yeah, we were signing we oh, were yeah. signing after practices. I'll tell you this: they'd have tables lined up with mm-hmm. sticks and the duck mass, and we would sign for hours upon hours, mm-hmm. many many times, and. Um, it was amazing how much of that stuff moved. But anyway, that was a great experience. Sadly, that's where my career ended. I w- we were playing the New York Islanders, mm-hmm. and it was my fifth game of the year. And um, or sorry, it was my first game with the Ducks, and I got hit, and it unbeknownst to me, I blew my shoulder out, mm-hmm. and I ended up playing five more games, and then had two major surgeries, and uh, that was the end of my career. But 
my time with Anaheim was special because just the whole Disney thing and, uh, you know, obviously the new team. And we're, we're very excited. I got a beautiful ring, Brian, that uh, at that point we had broken the record for wins by an inaugural team, 33 wins, which was my number with Anaheim. And then obviously Vegas smashed that record. But, uh, yeah, it was a great, great experience. And, uh, you know, stuff I'll never forget. Now, looking back on it, you honestly got to think that's funny that they named a team after the movie. I mean, obviously, I didn't think I didn't think it was honestly a fictional team at first. I really didn't know that. And I, I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah well i you know as you can see i still have long hair so when we were brought down all the guys that got selected in the expansion draft we all came from different teams so when i went in to meet tony Tavares and jack ferrara the president and the gm mm. they said we got good news and bad news for you and i looked exactly like i look right now <laughs> anyways uh they said there's your three-year contract mm. that's the good news the bad news is Working for Disney, you can't have long hair or facial hair. Ooh. And I was like, okay, you know, because I came from L.A. and I always had long hair. And right, that was right. kind of my thing. And right. so anyways, when I came back for training camp, I, I looked like a Disney employee, you know. And, and what's funny is, you know, if you've ever been to Disneyland. I have Disney a long World, time ago, right? though. Yeah, a long time ago, but I yeah. have been there. So you got your employee button. Every employee has uh, their, you know, their name tag Well, being working for disney all through training camp where we would eat at the restaurants and stuff we wore the employee badge which was i still got mine till this day so, so cat they call it cast member since you guys were owned in by disney do you think they're technically owned by disney still as no, the ducks they, they, no no they they uh they sold they sold to oh, a, they sold uh, forget the gentleman's name yeah because we went down for the 20 year anniversary uh, they brought the original team back, and that uh, was a great weekend that they brought us back for, and you know, got to see all the old guys, and we went out and dropped the puck for the home opener. So that was a real special time. Who, who, do you remember who was drafted with you since that in that expansion? Do you remember who was drafted? Oh yeah, a lot. Who you played? Yeah, with? a lot of guys. So um, Robin Bawa came from San Jose. Uh, Randy Latissure came from. Uh, he was our captain. Came from Hartford. Uh, Sean Hill from Montreal, I believe. Um, uh, Stu Grimson came from Chicago. Uh, Todd Ewan from Montreal. Ron Tugnett, I believe, came from uh, Quebec. Gia Bear came from the New York Rangers or St. Louis Blues, I believe. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on and on. But, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, Anatoly Semenov from Edmonton Oilers. So we had a really, really good group. We won 33 games that year. Yeah, did you did you ever did you ever uh, stop to think that um, that maybe like even though yeah you guys were a part of Disney, I mean you guys were going to go like you have did you guys ever sense as that pressure as a team like to go far like have success like the movie like go far? Did you guys have, well, have any of that going in the back of your head? No, no. What what we what. The, what the guys did, Jack Ferrer and Tony Tavares and the staff there, Ron Wilson was the coach, they they drafted a tough team. They drafted a lot of physical players, a lot of toughness, mm-hmm. which made which made us tough to play against. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was on a pri- previous expansion team. I actually hold my own record in the NHL. I'm the only player to be selected in three 
expansion draft. There you go. That's a record and, right there. Yeah. I, yeah. The so it was of. Minnesota, Ottawa, and Anaheim. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we lost our first game to Detroit, 7-3, I believe. And Detroit was a powerhouse back then. Oh, yeah. But where I knew things were different than the Ottawa team is we we went into New York and played the Rangers, Mark Messier and the Rangers, who were, you know, uh, that year, I think, no, the year later, won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and we ended up we ended up beating them five three, and uh, that's when I sat back and went, "Wow, you know, this team, this team is pretty good." So it was different. It was a different feeling that I had in Ottawa when I was there. Just not the, to knock Ottawa, but you know, we we didn't win a lot of games there, and uh, we ended up winning thirty three with the, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, uh, so tell us about your time, because obviously it was a cup of tea in Ottawa. What did you think about that uh, year in Ottawa that you spent? Did you uh, did you enjoy playing for them? Because I see that's your profile pic <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah, and, I, I, I'm going to say uh, this. You know, it was it was it was a thrill to play in Canada. You know, I always well, yeah, wanted you're to from be there, in, right? You're from there. Well, correct? I'm from I'm from Edmonton. Yeah. yeah, so I always wanted to be an Oiler or a Leaf. You know, like playing in Canada is is for a Canadian boy is special. So, right, playing in Ottawa, I loved it. Um, it was it was you know uh, a great um, feeling just being you know in a Canadian city. We played in the old Civic Center, which I think only sat ten thousand or twelve thousand people. So that that was different because I played junior against uh, the Ottawa 67. So it was the same rink that um, that we played in uh, against them. So mm. that was really unique. But yeah, it was uh, it was you know I wouldn't remember this, Brian. I went from LA to Ottawa on the expansion draft. Now going playing with my Ottawa Wayne Gretzky and and you know having this great um, you know. Um, you know, experience playing in LA with all the movie stars and Wayne right. and all this sort of thing, and then going to Ottawa, uh, right. an expansion team that we had trouble winning games. It was a real different. Tough. But um, we we were playing Toronto Maple Leafs and Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was the uh, Christmas break. So at midnight that night, you couldn't trade over the Christmas break. Like the, there was a trade freeze. So after the game, I remember we lost 7-2 or something like that to the Leafs. Mm-hmm. And I got back to the hotel around 11 o'clock. And back then, we didn't have the cell phones and the social right. media and all that. Right. And I walked into the hotel, and they're like, uh, how do you feel? And I said, how do I feel about what? They said, you got traded back to the Kings tonight. And I was like, wow. Right. Like, and so anyway, that's the year we went to the Stanley Cup final. So I go from you know, a team that was really struggling to win games to back, back to playing you, back, with yep, back to the team my, yep yeah and ended up going that year 93 to the final so that was uh i say it was meant to be and what was really nice about that and, and this is out of wayne's you know wayne wayne said this so when i got to the hotel in san jose my first game back i ran into our owner bruce mcnall and he said just so you know wayne made this trade he wanted you back uh you know i was obviously you know, his words were, I was a good dressing room guy and right. character player and that sort of thing. Right. So that meant a lot to me that Wayne had actually spearheaded the trade because they scored, they traded uh, actually one of my friends from LA, Bob Kadelski, who was a 20 goal scorer for them. So that, it meant something to go back there and, and, you know, be part of that, that year and go into the Stanley Cup was special. But to hear from the greatest player that he wanted me back meant a lot to me. 
Yeah, speaking of, do you, do you still talk to him to this day at all? Have, have you I, had a chance I, to talk to him? Yeah, we, 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 the, he's, he's done some wonderful things. Um, we've had, I've reached out to him a couple times when some kids have been, you know, uh, terminally ill and mm-hmm. Wayne's unbelievable. And he sent down a jersey, you know, he would send a package to these kids, you know, that were sadly dying in a hospital and, so those are the things, you know, and if I ever see him, like if we see each other, it's like seeing him yesterday. So, you know, he's always been there to to be that ambassador for being the greatest player to ever play, right? And I always say this, he was the greatest on the ice, but it's tough to say there's anybody greater off the ice. Right, right, exactly. So let's talk about your other stop that I see too was uh, New Jersey Devils. We haven't talked yeah. about them yet. Your time there... Uh, what was that experience like in playing for the Devils? Well, it was it was uh, I got traded from Hartford, where I was playing in Binghamton, their farm team, in the American Hockey League, to New Jersey. Mm. So I didn't go to New Jersey at the time. I went down the highway in New York State to Utica, their farm team. Mm. So I played played most of that year in Utica. But when I did get called up to New Jersey. You know, I mean, it was just like, okay, the New Jersey Devils, uh, another organization, you know, right. Brendan Shanahan, right. um, John McClain, you know, Pat Verbeek, uh, another, Fetisoff was there, Kasatonov was there, you know, from the from the great Russian miracle movie, if you will. So that was really cool. And yeah, I was only there a short time, but, um, you know, just uh, a different color, you know, I loved the green and red jerseys that they had and. So that was uh, that was um, uh, uh, a good memory too. Like uh, I wish I would have been there a little bit longer, but really enjoyed you know going up and you know uh, I did a lot of fighting when I was up a short time with them. I think I had four or five fights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not that the you know just anyways that's just part of my memory. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was a nice stop. So overall, you played 115 games in the NHL. That honestly, yeah. that's not bad when you think about it. I mean, a lot of players have played fewer. That it's not that bad, not to be honest. But uh, what would you say in your time in the NHL? What would you say was your most successful year? Uh, single single wise, not team wise, but single wise. Because obviously, well, team wise, the, obviously, yeah, team wise, been... obviously, team wise was the Stanley Cup year, obviously. But yeah. what was your like greatest season? Well, it would have been the year before in L.A. I, I played the whole season there. I didn't dress every game. One of the problems with my career, Brian, was that the way I played, I played a real robust physical style. And I had some serious injuries, you know, right. shattered heel, broken back. Right. I had 12, yeah. 12 surgeries. So, you know, I, I am blessed to have played 115 games. Barring all the injuries I had, I probably would have played a lot more. Right. You know, I just, I just, uh, you know, two hand operations from fighting, and right. so, you know, I look back and and you know, knowing how hard it is to play one game in the NHL, and and you know, seeing all these kids that I work with and and that go through major, junior, and up to the American Hockey League or the East Coast, and you know, they're all praying to realize that dream of playing that one game so i i you know i'm blessed to have donned an nhl jersey and played over 10 10 years on six nhl teams and whether it's a thousand games or 115 i'm i'm you know i look back and i'm just so blessed 
So I see you also scored a total of four goals out of your besides your first goal. What 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 goal out of your four goals do you remember the most? Because obviously, I'm sure you got to keep the puck from your first goal. But what other what other out of those four goals was more memorable? Um, well, that's a really good question because actually it wasn't my first goal. It was uh, we were playing the Oilers in Edmonton. My mom was and family were at the game, and I was with Washington. And back then they had goal of the week. It was um, like one of the TV stations, CHCH goal of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I ended up getting the puck in Northlands Coliseum in my own end and somehow went end to end and deked out Grant Fear, who was, you know, Hall of Fame with a great Oiler goalie. Right. And what's, what's ironic is on my way down the ice, I beat Kevin Lowe. I had faked a slap shot and he kind of tightened up and I got around him. And Grant Fear came out to poke check me. So everything was just, everything aligned to where I put the puck in the open net in front of my hometown and in front of my family. And we ended up winning the game 8-2. So, you know, we were a good team in Washington, but the Oilers were the mighty Oilers then. And right. it was unbelievable. So as much as I'd like to say I, my first goal on Eddie Belfort in Chicago Stadium, um, which was a big thrill, I, I have to point to that goal in Edmonton um, as my highlight of you know scoring out of my four goals that I scored. Now, like you said, you were a very physical player, which got into a lot of penalty minutes and fighting minutes for you. You scored a total of 416 penalty minutes in your career. Uh, so basically, you're known as an enforcer. That's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. Uh, by other by other players that have had that many penalty minutes uh now was that your part of your game to be that was to be to get into penalty box to just rough and tough the opponent was that your whole established play well i was a goal scorer growing up and if you look through my career, you know, in my OHL last year, I scored over 20 goals. In the American Hockey League, I was on a 50-goal pace, 25 right. goals in 41 games. So the the fact that, you know, one year uh, I had uh, just under 200, my first year pro um, in Binghamton, I just had under 200 minutes and did a lot of fighting. And when I had my exit meeting with the Washington Capitals, the late Brian Murray looked at me and said, if you ever want to play here, you're going to have to fight more. And I was I was completely blown away because I thought as a rookie coming out of junior, I fought all these tough guys in the American Hockey League. And I'm thinking, yeah, I got to fight more. But being my dream, Brian, you did the it. next year. Yep. Well, the next year I had 41 fights in 57 games and led the American Hockey League in penalty minutes with 360 minutes. So as much, and I say this, as much as I dislike fighting because I didn't like it, it was not something that I enjoyed. It was not something that I look forward to, you know, getting up in the morning knowing that I'm going to have three fights in a game. Um, so, you know, that that's what I did. And I wanted, you know, I was, I was not going to not make the NHL. And then when I got there, then, yeah. You know, my role was to play on the fourth line and and go out and fight their fourth liners and and be a robust player. But you know, like I said, I was a goal scorer all the way up through my career, and uh, you know, had protective instincts, I guess you would say, and you know, ended up being in this role that that uh, I got ten years of pro hockey out of it. So it's a two part question. 
I know you didn't want to fight, but obviously that's what you had to do. Like the guy told you, and you had to do it anyway. So it's a two-part question. Who'd you who out of all your fights you had, which one was most memorable? And the second part is, it out of all the people you did not get the chance to fight, playing wise in your time, who would you have liked to have fought? Okay, great question. So. The most memorable fight I'm going to say was probably against the toughest guy in the league at the time was Dave Brown in the Spectrum in Philadelphia. I was with um, Washington, mm-hmm. and I was a, I was a nervous wreck, <laughs> but I survived. <laughs> and, and and I'm going to say this that you know even even though I didn't want to. You know, if I would have dropped the gloves of the late Bob Probert, who was, you know, arguably the t- best fighter and toughest man at, over longevity of a career, um, would have been, you know, something that I w- didn't want to do. But if you say, hey, you know, every, what's funny is any every, one of the first questions people ask me, ever fight Probert, right? And I never did. And, you know, if I had to say that there's one guy that you would have liked to just, you know, hung on and, prayed you didn't get hurt would have been bob probert but it's funny bob uh, bob and i did a movie together after our careers were over called the love guru or mike myers hockey movie where the leafs won the stanley cup mm-hmm. and bobby ended up living with me during the shoot so he was with me i think about six months so what he would do is uh, go home on the weekends to danny his wife and his kids and then he would stay with me during the week when we would shoot the movie so I got to know this guy um, over a period of time. What a wonderful, wonderful man. And sad we lost him early and heard a lot of great stories that uh, some I share, some I don't. And I was blessed to spend some valuable time with this guy. But he would have been the guy. So uh, I I know it's a brutal game. And I know crap happens, like cut, like people getting cut all the time and all that um did you ever witness anything brutal like that on the ice because i know recently and even though this was like college god bless his soul what happened you i'm sure you heard about this with the kid losing his life because of um the skate up to his neck you know did you know did you ever witness anything graphic to that nature where you thought something was seriously going to happen well, I played with Clint Malarchuk in Washington when he got traded to Buffalo. Um, that happened to him with the Buffalo Sabres. Now, I wasn't on the ice. I wasn't in the building because, you know, he was in. But seeing a former teammate go through that was just horrific. That You know, if that doctor wasn't at that gate, Brian, Clint would have died on that ice. And, you know, I, I've seen some some horrible, horrible injuries like, you know, bones sticking out of skin like hockey is a tough, tough game. Like football, like rugby, a lot of these games are tough, tough games. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I saw some major, major stuff over my career. You know, a guy taking a slap shot in the mouth and losing, you know, is, is basically his most blown up. Like it's a, it's like you know, teeth all over the place and awful, awful stuff. So, you know, nothing like the boy that sadly died with the juggler being getting cut, but uh, I've seen some bad, bad, uh, bad accidents in hockey now, for like, sure. Now, like you said, you obviously, you, you had that one year where you played all, all the games and 
a full season is 82 games. Do you think that's too much in a season to play? Do you think they no. will cut the do you think they will cut the season? No, no. The the guys like even back when I played, we take care of ourselves, you know. Your your job is to sleep, eat properly and be ready to perform, you know, no different than a rock band going out and playing six nights in a row or no different than, you know, many different industries. Right. And as long as you're taking care of yourself, as long as you're eating properly and resting, you know, obviously it's a rough game, the bumps and bruises, you know, and when guys miss games and, you know, they, they got, you know, something that they can't play, then, um, you know, then that's when they're on, on the injured reserve. But no, there's 82 games is fine. Now, obviously with the teams you played for, uh, you got to play in the division quite a bit. So, how rough and tough were some of your divisions that you played up against? Well, that was a great, that's a very good question. So, you know, playing in Washington, games with Philly were, were like it was a war. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a history there, of, you know, and, you know, uh, the New York Rangers. You know, I remember going into Madison Square Gardens and fighting Rudy Postcheck twice and the place going crazy and... You know, so there was rivalries in every division. Then I go to L.A. and you got, you know, Calgary and and Edmonton. You know, Mm -hmm. we got Gretzky now in L.A. and we're playing the Oilers. Well, that was heated. That was really heated. And uh, so, yeah, the 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 rivalries within the divisions are really, you know, it's for very intense and a lot of fun to play. And and obviously for, you know, the home crowd, um, it's a different vibe than you know, a team coming in from the other conference or the other side because it's just, you know, the the rivalries are great. So, like you said earlier, unfortunately, you had to end your career on two surgeries. Um, Yeah. I know, obviously, that's not how you wanted your career to ultimately end, but you knew it had to happen. Do you think that you knew right away, though, like when you had the first operation – that your career was over or do you think you could have made it if you didn't have that second operation well what happened after my first operation i had basically uh, reconstructive surgery on my left shoulder and um when i went through the rehab process and supposed to be feeling good to come back you know i think we're talking six or seven months yeah and I, I came back the next year for training camp and my second shift to training camp, I went to reach for a puck and all of a sudden the sharp pain was just like, whoa. So anyways, that went on for a bit and they did more rehab. And then the doctor who operated on me said, you know what, I'm going to go in arthroscopic scopic surgery and have a look. Mm-hmm. So he went in and shaved some scar tissue, Brian, and you know, kind of cleaned it up. And then I did more rehab, and then I came back towards the end of the year, and the pain was still there. And that's when the doctor said, you know what, with the style of game you play, it's going to be really difficult to continue if you're, if after two surgeries and you know me basically reconstructing your shoulder, if you still have that pain, it's going to be difficult for you to continue. And I sat in my stall. I'll never forget it. I sat. It was in the pond in Anaheim. And I sat there in disbelief. I was 27 years old, and he's telling me that my career was over. And uh, that was it. That was uh, 1995. I'd gotten bought out of my third year of my contract, and I was uh, I was done hockey. So, besides the movie you were in, uh, 
what what would you say was your favorite movie out of them all? I'm going I'm going to name the the two. You already know one. We talked about it. The Ducks, and then briefly you talked about the other one, Miracle on Ice with the Russian and U.S. team. So out of those two movies, and you can include yours in there. You can be biased. I don't care. You can include yours in there. What what movie to you was the best? By far, by far, the miracle, the true story of Herb Brooks, the kids from the U.S. And I'm going to say this, you know, playing with Dave Christian, Dave Silk, I played with a whole bunch of these guys from both sides, the Russians and the U.S. team. And I just find every time I watch it, you know, it's it's an amazing, uh, gives you chills. It gives you chills how these amateurs could go out and beat the team that was beating the NHL superstars. And, you know, like Herb said in the movie, out of 10 games, they'll beat us nine times, but tonight they're not beating us, and they didn't. That's just an amazing story. And there's another sad story. You know, Herb Brooks coming home from a golf tournament and sadly got into a car yeah, accident. Right. His life yep. was ended shortly. That was, that was the, that was the um, most recent one that died, correct? I, I heard somebody else had died from that team, too. Can't think... Um, yeah, no, Herb died years ago. I, I'm, uh, well, I know that the guy who played O'Callaghan, the actor, committed suicide. Um, there's a whole bunch of things out of there, but yeah, that was to me the best hockey movie ever. You know, true story. Did they actually use Al Michaels' voice in that? Or oh, did yeah. they have somebody yeah, who yeah, played, yeah. or did they actually have somebody who played as No, him? no, 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 it's my Al Michaels. They used the real, they used the real, uh, the real footage, I believe. <laughs> I see. I never, I never had a chance to watch that movie, so that's why. Oh, I, that's you, why. You, I asked. Yeah, you got a. If you're a hockey fan, which is, it sounds like you are, you need to watch that movie. So, besides the um, the alumni game that you said you had with the 20 year with the the Ducks, um, have you have you been invited to any of the other team alums like the uh, L A, Ottawa, New Jersey, any other teams? Well, yeah, you, you get invited to different functions and, and you know, um, being an alumni player, you know, we I would go to Ottawa, sit in the alumni box and, and stuff like that. So when you can do it in our busy schedules, I, I love to do it. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to travel for me from, you know, Toronto to L.A. just to do a, an alumni event unless it's, you know, something that's going to be, you know, special or what have you. But I do go to Ottawa to the golf tournaments and, you know, spend time there. And uh, I, I plan to, you know, try to hit Washington and some of my old teams that I haven't been to an alumni event yet just to to go in and see my old teammates and stuff because that's special. Obviously, you went around to a lot of different arenas and a lot of different fan bases that you've been a part of. Uh where was where would you say was the most difficult to play? Oh, Chicago Stadium, the funnest but the most difficult. Uh, you know, just a smaller rink, and you know they always had big tough teams in there, and it was a it was a exciting place to play. I had success in Chicago, but it was uh, it was uh, I scored two of my four goals in Chicago Stadium, but it was. Uh, it was a tough, tough place to play and um, very, you know, diff- you know, there is, uh, you know, you could see a rat down in the dressing room and I, I, it's true as I'm sitting here, like, you know, you're down in the basement, you walked upstairs to get out to the stadium ice and there's a whole bunch of different things, the organ there. But that in Boston Gardens was, uh, the old Boston Gardens was a tough place to play, you know, 
I, one of the hardest hits I ever took was from Cam Neely in that arena. And, um, yeah, but those, you know, those, those are a couple that were, were exciting to play, but very difficult to play. Now, I know the Bolts were an expansion team in 93, uh, and you retired in 95. Did you have a chance to play for the Bolts before they got, not, I mean, play against, sorry, play against? Uh, yeah, against so that, that, that was the year that I was selected by Ottawa in the expansion draft, and uh, they had us play Tampa Bay, the two expansion teams. We played, I think, three games into the season, so... That was a big thing playing, you know, the other expansion team. And uh, so, yes, I played against Tampa and then I played them later in my career. But, yeah, they were they were in the expansion draft with Ottawa. So now let's talk a little current hockey, which I'm sure you still follow up on. The playoffs yeah. are coming qu- very quickly. Uh, yeah. Give us your top eight teams in each league that will make the playoffs. So I think it's a total of 16 teams. So for yeah. in each league, give give me each, the eight. Give me the eight teams in each league that will make it. Well, in each conference is, uh, you know, I'd have to look at the standings, but, you know, you got in, in the east, you're going to have Pittsburgh, Washington, um, Tampa Bay, Carolina, the Leafs, um, the New York Rangers, Boston is a is a wild card team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what if I've missed any there, but in the oh, in the other side, Minnesota, uh, Edmonton, um, the Kings are still in there. Calgary's in there. Um, you've got St. Louis is in there. Um, so these teams are all there. I think are going to make it. I think. You know, if you looked at the standings, Brian, and see the uh, um, wild card teams, I think it's all going to stay pretty, pretty much the way it is. Um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting because the thing about the playoffs today is you can be you can be the wild card team and knock off the first place team. Yeah, right. Because every the parity is it's just so close. All the teams are so close now, and anybody can win. Any any of those teams that you can possibly see being a wild card that nobody's talking about that can go far in the playoffs? The Edmonton Oilers, um, I believe, with the two best players, or arguably the two best players in the world, if they find their mojo, getting Evander Kane was a big thing. they got to get goaltending, but I think the Oilers could surprise a lot of people just because they are that talented. Um, I also look at Minnesota Wild. I think they're a team with getting uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. They're goaltending solid now with uh, Cam Talbot, and um, they could be very difficult also. But you got to go through the champions of Tampa Bay, who probably are the deepest team still, and they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. Can you see them? I know it's hard to. Even, I know it's hard to repeat, and they did. And it's definitely hard to triple peak. Do you think they? Do you think they will ultimately? I, I, yeah, if I had to say right now who's the favorite to win the cup, you got to look at them because, you know, the, you, when you win, you know how to win, you know, and they're good enough. They got the best goalie, they got the best decor, and arguably the best forward core, right? So, you know, from top to bottom, they still are the deepest team in the NHL. Now you got teams sneaking up on them like Carolina, and the Leafs look really good this year, and, and the, the Rangers Panthers. are playing well. Uh, Panthers, yeah, I didn't even mention the Panthers, and they're they're the best team in the league right now. So shame on me for that. And, you know, they're having a heck of a year, um, and um, so again, you got to get through the champs. So 
it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Yeah, don't you find it quite funny? I mean, Coop, who's a lawyer, who was an ex-lawyer, I mean, he came out of nowhere. I never even heard of the dude. And you would think most coaches are former, you know, players or or former coaches or whatever that you know that were in the league before. He 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 took it on to a new level. Like I never even heard it, dude. And look what he's done. Like, well, yeah. I mean, he won at every level. You know, like if you look at his career, he went up through college hockey, I believe it was, and then you know won in the minors. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, you can see that he's well liked. He's well educated, and he's really smart. And sometimes, you know, when you're, you know, I look at Kyle Dubas in Toronto similar to Cooper, you know, Kyle Dubas is a bright, bright guy. And as much as he takes criticism for the analytics and all that, you know, uh, I, I think he's going to bring a Stanley cup with Brendan Shanahan to Toronto. But when you look at Cooper and what they've done there, um, you know, they just know how to win and they're going to be, you know, they're the favorites again, even though Florida's ahead of them in the schedule and, or in the standings and all this, I still believe Tampa's the team that you got to go through. So besides the, uh, rivalry going on between Ovechkin and Crosby. They're on the tail side of their careers. They're almost done. Uh, what two players do you see in this day and age that can have that sort of rivalry like those two have? Well, I think it's Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. I think they're the two superstars now. And, you know, uh, Dreisaitl, too. I mean, he's, you know, uh, in that mix. But as far as a rivalry right now, who's the best player in the world? And, you know, with Austin Matthews, I think he's got 58 goals. I think they're the two that you're going, okay, they're the Crosby and Ovechkin of, you know, the last decade, if you will. So, you know, Austin Matthews has completely come into his own this year. You know, without the COVID year, he would have scored 50 goals. So he is really the new superstar goal scorer in the NHL and uh, he's kind of taken that role over from Ovechkin and when you look at Connor McDavid more the assist guy has kind of picked that up from Sidney Crosby so to me they're the two that you uh, you know who's the best in the world I'm going to put you on the spot here okay give me your from the time you were drafted which is 84 give me your top till now your top five NHL players? Well, number one, Gretzky. Number uh, that's two, obvious. Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah. Number two, Lemieux. Um, you know, I got to say number three, uh, Connor McDavid, you know, just because he hasn't done as much as Wayne or Mario, but I think he, I'll say this, and I, and as great as Wayne was and Mario was, nobody does what Connor McDavid does. His speed, Everything at top speed. He's probably the best talented guy just because of the way he skates to ever play the game. So I'd put Connor at number three, Crosby at number four. And, um, you know, it would be, it would be wrong for me not to add Bobby Orr in there because, you know, every, you know, in the argument of who was the greatest of all time, Bobby was the greatest of his era, Wayne of his era. Right. You know, you can't, you can't compare the two. You can't compare Wayne Gretzky to Connor McDavid right now because Wayne could never skate like that, right? Yeah. So those would be my top five, and I missed a whole bunch of great players, Steve Eisman, Dale Howard, Chuck, you know, uh, 
you know, the great Montreal Canadiens, Guy Lafleur, and all them. But those would be my top five. Now, I never wore them because I never pl- had an inspiration to play the sport. But how difficult is it, honestly, to play your sport with all that gear? I mean, that's tons of weight on you. How difficult is it to skate and play in that attire? Um, it's it's it would be really hard for someone who's never done it. But growing up with it, you just you know you put it on and you go out, and it's like you know it's like. Uh, getting in your car and driving it's not that it's not that big a deal like i sit here and go out you know you went out and you were just so accustomed to wearing all this equipment and skates and you know a stick in your hand and so yeah i mean it's a it's a question that we become accustomed to it but i do know this when you take a person who's never played hockey or has never put gear on they're like wow like you know the uncomfort uh that they would have would be, yeah, it would be big time. But growing up with it, there was no issue. Now, obviously, you spent most of your time in the penalty box, so i got to ask you now, did you have any grudges with the referees <laughs> in your playing days? Um, it's funny. I, I didn't. I, I got into it one time with Paul Stewart, the, the referee. He's no longer refing, but Paul was a tough guy when he played. And uh, I remember one night in L.A., I think it was, yeah, I got into it with him just because I didn't like one of the things he did. And so I, I ended up getting a misconduct and getting kicked out. But I wasn't I wasn't that guy that disrespected the referees. I, I respected all of them. And uh, I think it was something Paul said to me. And so I kind of mouthed back at him. And that was but I was not the guy to take it to I couldn't afford to take an unsportsman like conduct and put our team down shorthanded that was that would not have been good for me so um you were what primary primarily right wing I think that's right yeah I played a little bit of left wing but mostly uh most of my career now was right wing. obviously obviously I I know hockey I mean I watch it and it's one of my favorite sports but I'm still confused. I'm still quite confused on the positions. I know I get what defensemen do and what goalies do, obviously. But what is the right wing and left wing's job? What, what do they have to it, do? It's it's the easiest job in hockey, Byron. Uh, what you do is you know in your own zone, you got to get the puck out if it comes along your boards. You know your job is not to lose the puck in your own end. Um, you know, if it goes in the other corner, you go down in the middle of the ice and help out there. So you're basically going up and down the ice in a little bit, over a little bit. You know, obviously, if you're the first guy back, you're playing the center position. You got to pick up your center's position. So you do need to know what to do as a centerman. But, you know, uh, anybody to tell you being a winger in hockey is the easiest job. Toughest is goalie. Second toughest to me is being a defenseman. Um, I would not want to be being chased like by a guy like me who was just coming in to hit you really hard and you got to go back and get the puck. That's a tough, tough position to be playing, especially with the size of the guys today. Now there's a lot of talk about maybe wanting to change the game. Do you feel since you played it, do you, do you feel like the game needs to be changed or do you think they should keep it the way it is? I love it now. I love the fact that it's speed, it's, it's skill. Um, the, clutching and grabbing's gone you know when i played i just i think the game is the best it's ever been you know fighting's down we don't need to see the fighting i'm you know a component of you know the violence doesn't need to be in there 
And um, I love it. I love watching the skill. And, you know, back when I played, the fourth line was all fighters. Today, it's the, the fourth line today could be a second line from when I played. So the skill from top to bottom is really, really exciting. So what team today do you think has the has the uh, most lines, shall I say? Because obviously mo- most teams have their best line being the first line, obviously, then second, yeah. not far behind. So which which team in the NHL do you think has the complete set? Uh, yeah, I think the deepest teams, you know, are, are pretty Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto's got a deep team. Some would question their defense and their goaltending. Um, you know, you, you look at Minnesota's really deep from top to bottom. But they're, you know, Carolina. Like, there's so many good teams now. Like, Carolina, coached by Rob Brindamore, is, is, you know, one of the best teams in the NHL. And they, just because of where they are and they're not, you know, have the big superstars, they don't get talked about a lot. But they're a deep, deep team, too. They could win the Stanley Cup, right? And, you know, we haven't even talked about the New York Rangers and this team and this team. But there's so many good teams from top to bottom. But I still go back to Tampa Bay are the champs. To me, they're still the best defense core in the league. They got the best goalie in the league, and they arguably got the best depth talent in the league up on uh, forward. Now, obviously, we had the bubble season two years ago. Thank God that's behind us. Now, how would you have fared in the bubble like these players have? How how tough would it have been for you? Um, I don't think it would have been tough for me because I love the game so much, and I wasn't, you know... I just loved being in pro hockey, whether it was the minors or the NHL. So for me to have to live in a hotel and eat meals and, you know, the fact that I was living out my dream, you know, I know it affected a lot of guys and I'm not, you know, slighting them. But when when this is your dream and this is, you know, um, what you what you what you signed up for i it wouldn't have mattered like to me i i thought about that a lot too is how would i have reacted to that but i would have been good to go and lastly i'm going to ask you you i don't it's normally a two-part question but we already got through what you tell the kids at the beginning but um the last question i have to you is define your career in one word uh i'm going to say in one word probably my favorite word i'm going to say respectful i i respected all my teammates i respected all my coaches all my owners all my opponents um and i respected the game and you know um just i want to think that i'm a respectful person today i made a lot of mistakes you know like we all do i look back and go you know i wish i could have done that different or this different but I, I do live my life now with respect, and that's um, I've always, you know, I was brought up to be respectful and, uh, you know, show respect and be kind, and so that's that's the way I would like to think that who I was and who I am today is a kind, respectful person. Well, I couldn't have said anything better. I thank you again the second time. This time it was even better because we got to do a video. Last time I think it was just over yeah. the phone. <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> but it was fun. Thank you. Yeah, um, Brian, thank you again I'm, for having me, and it was definitely. great spending the last hour again, with you. Again, you're more than welcome to come on anytime. I said that the last time, and I truly do mean yeah. it. I'll stay in touch yeah. with you still. We'll talk about the season, et cetera. I'll still keep in touch. But, yeah, feel free, please, after we get off here, I'll send you the full episode. You can share that. Yeah. You can, um, And we'll go from there. 
And if you know anybody, please send them my way. If you know any former players, send them my way. Always looking for interviews. So I'd appreciate well, it. Well, it's like, it's like this. When you ask me to do this, you know, I, I see you working hard and kind of living your dream of being what you're doing. And, and that's why I enjoy doing this with guys like you because it's passionate for you and and you know i i'm it's about giving back and not that you know you need me to give back you asked me to do this and i said you know what i want to do it because i number one enjoy it and right. you know what to see you to see you enjoy it and i've watched some of your other podcasts it's you know it makes me happy to see that this is works for you so thank you because you made my night definitely same i'm glad i made your night so it was awesome. Thank you again. I'll send you the episode. So this concludes so episode much, number 97 with Jim Thompson. You all have a good night.